Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. This afternoon's discussion will be from the book of Matthew and uh, from a prayer that has been uh, called the Disciples' Prayer. We're going to look at that shortly. But our topic is uh, forgiveness. It's necessary if you want optimal spiritual freedom. And this, of course, is antithetical to the way of the world. The way of the world is the way of the self. The way of the world is the way of the flesh. And so the world teaches one to optimize what is beneficial for the ego, for the insatiable self. The world will never tell you that the uh, flesh or the ego or the self enslaves. And so we see around us people who are enslaved or are enslaved to the insatiable luck of the flesh. No one ever comes out a winner when the self is a primary focus. When the self is a primary focus of an individual, it is idolatrous. <clears throat> it means that the ego is up on the throne of one's life instead of God. Selfish people do not want to hear about forgiveness. Selfish people do not want to learn about forgiveness. Once again, because the focus is on self. And in Galatians 2.20, the apostle uh, Paul states, quote, that I have, uh, he talks about crucifying the flesh. He writes, I am crucified with Christ. Notice, the verb is at the beginning of the sentence, the verb I am. And so a state of being verb, I am crucified, another verb, with Christ. A very interesting word is used there in the Greek. So, and then he writes, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So, Think carefully about what he is saying. Flesh must be crucified if the disciple is to grow in his or her relationship with Christ. It cannot be otherwise because following Christ is not a philosophical journey. It is not an intellectual journey. So it involves apprehension of, of some intellectual uh, precepts, but and it is beyond being merely existential or that which is relevant <clears throat> within, uh, for one's immediate life. Indeed, Paul uses the word in his letter to the Ephesians, he uses the word ontos, and he speaks of the prior ontos, 
It is that which was before the individual was saved. He was called a hermophilos. It is one who is passionately devoted to the pursuit and practice of sin, hermophilos. And so he only uses an adjective. Hermophilos is an adjective. When one is saved, then Paul moves on from there and uh, he talks about the hagios, that is the holy one, the one who is separated unto God. <clears throat> now, a different status, a different reality uh, is within the life. The individual has received God's own life, eternal life. So when the appeal is made in uh, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to see the flow of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I want you to, to follow the Lord's thinking. I want you to follow the Lord's uh, emphasis on what constitutes what constitutes mental health. Now, this is Matthew 6, beginning at verse... Um, we're going to begin at verse 5. Matthew 6, 5. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, and so the you is in an emphatic position in the Greek text, when you pray, enter into the secret place or the closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. Notice the blessing that is given when one follows what God says, when one does what Jesus says. If you go, when you go into your secret place and you pray to the Father, he will see in secret and he will reward you openly before all to see. Remember, David said in Psalm 23, Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Jesus goes on. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. There are no mantras in biblical prayer. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Mainly these people did this in order to put themselves in a hypnotic state. And that's not the emphasis in biblical prayer. There's communion with God himself. There's communion with Almighty God, not with the impersonal universe who speaks uh, to the individual or the connection with the absolute. That's not in the Bible. It is a real fellowship. It is real fellowship with Almighty God. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not you therefore like unto them, for the Father knoweth what you have need of before you ask him. Amen? And it is so important to remember this. Notice the language. Your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray you, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name to be treated as sacred, be treated as holy, hallowed be thy name. Have you noticed 
in the movies of the cosmos how many times they vainly use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you noticed that? This is their practice. This is what they do. And don't think these things are done unconsciously. Whenever the name of Christ is used in this vain way, it is an attempt and it is a deliberate taking of the Lord's name in vain. The Lord's name is treated as not sacred. It is always <clears throat> used in a, a context of profanity. So I just want you to be conscious of the type of conditioning uh, to which we are subjected to relentlessly. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, and it will happen. God's will will be done. After the great tribulation, Jesus will come at the end of the great tribulation, and he will come to the battle of Armageddon. This is the second half of the second coming. First part of the second coming of Jesus, he will come from his church. He will come for his church to retrieve his church out of the cosmos. Then that terrible period called the Great Tribulation will begin, or the Tribulation. The Great Tribulation begins the second half of that seven-year period when the Antichrist is going to break his covenant with God's people. <clears throat> and then uh, Isaiah writes that the earth is going to reel to and fro like a drunken man from the horrendous judgment that will take place. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I want to stop here because this is, this is what I want to focus on. Notice Notice, and forgive us our debts. And uh, now, this word trespasses, forgive us our trespasses, that word is a mistranslation uh, made from, the, uh, made from the, the prayer book of the Church of England. And really, the, the emphasis here is not on trespasses, but on debts, on debts. And so, now, this word death, in ancient Rome, it means or it meant an actual legal death or actual legal obligation. And so, in verse 12, the word forgive means to send off from one. Send off from us our Yes. And so you look at the word uh, as, as it's an adverb. Here it's placing in a sentence as is an adverb of obligation. Notice, as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive our debtors. So as is an adverb of uh, obligation. The, the, uh, <clears throat> the pronoun we the plural pronoun we is in, again, in the emphatic position. As we forgive or we release our debtors from debts that can never be repaid. 
Jesus is instructing his disciples on prayer. And forgive us our debts. It is our actual legal debts, our obligations. As we release those who are our debtors. Very powerful and very important language, unquote. Now, this is Matthew 18, verse 21, and we read, quote, then, Peter, uh, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I said, not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And again, the word forgive means to send off from, to send off from. So the emphasis, the consistent emphasis on Jesus is on forgiveness. Why is he teaching this <clears throat> to his disciples? <clears throat> well, he wants them to understand what he has come to do, and what he will do for us on the cross. It is through his sacrifice that God sends off from us our debts toward him. We are sinners. We were sinners. Paul writes in, in Ephesians 2 that we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead. That was our estate. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, we are new creatures in Christ. God has forgiven us. The debt or our obligation that was written against us has been blotted out and has been taken away by Christ. And so we have a new sense of freedom. We have a new freedom because of what God has done. We are no longer debt slaves. We're not debt slaves. We're free in Christ. We're to walk into that kingdom. In the book of Romans, Paul talks about uh, walking in, uh, we're to reign as kings. We're to reign as royalty because of what Jesus has done for us. He has made all things new. If you have not released someone or, or you have not released others, it is time to do so now so you can enjoy the freedom that Christ has bought for you. Good afternoon, my name is Dr. Josiah Mitch, and God bless you.